Alright everybody, welcome back to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Chang alongside Justin Valenzuela, where we are going to talk some sports today and a little bit about ourselves. Justin, how we doing? Oh, you know, I'm doing. Just doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm ready to go home, but I got one more class in work, so gotta it's play through. finally spring break. We made it. Yep. It's about time. How good does it feel? Feels pretty good, and it's the best time of year coming around. We got NFL free agency coming up. We got the combine. The draft is soon. I love this time of year. This, as a Jets fan, I've come to love this time of year because it's the only time of the year where all of our fans unite and have like genuine hope, only to have it all shattered by like week three. But right now, I'm excited. I love the excitement. All right, let's actually, this is going to be an eight-part series that we're going to break down for you guys. We're going to go through each division in football and talk about what we think is going to be needed by each team in free agency and how they can improve their team to best suit them for the next NFL season. So, speaking of the fine New York Jets, we are going to cover the AFC East today as we're actually going to start with the Buffalo Bills. All right, so the Bills, they ended the year uh, 11-6. and six. Honestly, I think they should have been uh, representing the AFC Conference Championship. Um, but, you know, overtime rules, how all that goes. But uh, they don't have too much to do this year. Um, they've got their two defensive ends coming off the books. Uh, they're free agents. They're going to let them walk. They're going to lose Emmanuel Sanders. They have negative $1.73 million in caps, so there's not really that much that they can do. Um, heading in unless they do some changes uh, but like I said losing those two defensive ends they both are getting paid 10 million dollars each so that should definitely free up some cap space for them but I think heading into the offseason through the draft and uh, signing free agents they should look at receivers get Josh Allen another weapon and they definitely have to address that defensive line especially after losing those defensive ends yeah I completely agree with you I mean to, to touch to your point even further I think this is a defensive lineman draft I mean there are so many DNs that are solid this season, and I think with, you know, even just the amount of them alone, even a late pick like the Buffalo Bills could even snag oh, yeah, there's, a top dog. There's tons of value, especially um, towards the end of the first round and the beginning of the second. Um, a lot of experts and stuff are saying that the second and the third rounds are actually the deepest and, like, richest part of the draft. It's not very top-heavy, and I think you could find value anywhere. That's that's really exciting yeah. to watch for me because, like, you always are like, oh, well, you know, even if my team performs well, like, hey, I don't get a top draft pick. But now these, like, these second and third rounders, they matter so much. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially for the Bills, too, because they pick late in every round. So if you can find value in the end of the first round where it's essentially an early second round pick, talent-wise, and same thing goes for the second, if that's where the true talent in this draft is, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the more successful teams this year have a better draft than the teams at the top half because the the talent drop-off isn't really there. So in terms of value and in terms of positional value, I think teams like the Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Ravens, I think that, well, not Ravens, but I think teams like that can really win the draft this year. It's exciting to hear. Definitely. So the last thing I think I want to touch on, Justin and I talked before the podcast about what we thought might be, you know, their new weapon. They lose Emmanuel Sanders, the Bills do, in this offseason. And according to Mike Allen, or not, it is Mike Allen, but Josh Allen's brother, Mike Allen, 
on his Instagram, they were actually hanging out with Arizona free agent Christian Kirk, who I think would be a solid addition to the roster. I mean, you lose a veteran guy like Emmanuel Sanders, but you could add, you know, another deep threat on this roster. To, I mean, to tag along with, you know, the breakout game that Gabriel Davis had at the end of the season. I think this could be really good for their team, especially with the 20 million they gain in cap space losing their two defensive ends. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to see if Christian Kirk tests, though, because now the uh, Cardinals are letting former second round pick Andy Isabella seek a new trade or seek a trade for a new team. So um, losing Kirk and Isabella would definitely hurt the Cardinals. So it's interesting to see if they let him walk. We will see. But now we're going to move on to the Patriots. Their biggest needs are wide receiver and edge threat. They need to re-sign the linebacker position, and hopefully, if they can, hold on to J.C. Jackson. I mean, they lose a huge part of their secondary in Devin McCourty and J.C. Jackson. So that kind of lockdown defense that they have had that they had all season last year is going to be gone come this free agency. Yeah. I mean, J.C. Jackson is definitely a tough one to re-sign. It seems like J.C. Jackson is very upset with the Patriots organization. He'd expressed interest all year to resign with them and then they they've made no efforts to resign him or even tag him and he said it hurt him so that top to the fact that he's going to make around 18 million dollars a year they only have nine million dollars in cap space right now um the patriots have a lot of work to do i don't know if they can honestly repeat the season they had last year mainly because they have to resign a lot of guys mccordy jackson donta hightower trent brown um, they really need receivers. They have only $9 million in cap space. There's a lot of in-house stuff that they have to figure out, kind of. And, yeah, like they have a later first-round pick now because they made the playoffs, um, and they have to address their receiver position. But they also have to get a opposite edge threat um, other than Matthew Judon. If J.C. Jackson walks, they have to address corner. There's a lot of work the Patriots have to do. And I'm really interested because Bill Belichick is the GOAT. Goat coach, honestly, goat GM at this point. He does everything, I feel like. So, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots figure it out, but right now it's not looking too good. Yeah, we'll see what he can do. There's not much margin for error, which I'm sure Bill is very comfortable with. But I think a a big thing that not a lot of people are going to talk about as well, they need to re-sign their kicker, Nick Folk, who had a historic fantasy football season. I had him all year this year. He was the number one (laughs) fantasy kicker across the board. So... This guy, he he makes his kicks. He played injured all year long. He was questionable every week in my lineup, and yet he came out, played, and he was very, very consistent. It wasn't like, you know, hey, he's injured. Give him some slack because he misses field goals. This guy came out when he needed it and knocked down those those uh, those needed field goals. And, I mean, you know how important those are in this league. Yeah, and, I mean, this is no secret to me. I know all about Nick Folk, you know. I fa- one of my favorite Jet memories is, first off, him taking down Peyton Manning. And him defeating the Cowboys. I mean, Nick Folk is that guy. I'm I'm just surprised he's still doing it. To be honest, he's old. He is. He's, he's an really older. Old. He's an older guy. Okay, let's move on to a much younger team in the Miami Dolphins, a team that I believe really needs you know some new culture. I think that bringing in the new head coach in um, in Mike McDaniel. I think that is, it's nice, it's going to be refreshing. It's tough, because I think Brian Flores was, I think he was the guy. But they went ahead, went with their gut, and decided to go with McDaniel instead. 
I really hope now we can figure out what's going to happen between a head coach and kind of quarterback duo with Tua Tungavailoa because he has been the guy, he hasn't been the guy, he has been the guy, and he hasn't been the guy. So they need to figure that out, and they also need to get him somebody else to throw to if they're going to let Mike Gesicki, they're I would argue a, he's a very underrated tight end. Oh, yeah, I've seen him. Free agency. Yo, he can catch. I don't know about blocking, but that man, I've seen him snag some sick one-handers. Shout out Penn State. But uh, I'm going to let you in on a secret, Jackson. Tua is not that guy. Tua sucks. Let's just get that out of the way. Tua's not a good quarterback. But with that said, he is a first-read quarterback. He's kind of a guy that when his first read or the uh, – designed first read isn't there for him that's when you see him struggle that's when you see him make those honestly really embarrassing interceptions uh i follow an account on instagram called like nfl memes ig or something like that and he had a segment it was like your weekly embarrassing to a turnover and he kept it going for every week that Tua played like he this is something that he does and it's like when the play breaks down i don't think he's very i mean he's quick i think he's elusive he, he could definitely run but i think in terms of dangerousness outside of the pocket when he's moving when he has to improvise I don't think he has that ability but it'll definitely be interesting to see how Mike McDaniel makes that work because I think with a weapon like Jalen Waddle I think there's a lot that offense can do um he's already alluded to the fact that Waddle's going to be used in a way that Debo Samuel was used and I think that's awesome because I think Waddle is extremely dangerous so fast so elusive he's a star Um, yeah he really is but I think I think the Dolphins should definitely address receiver, and they have to buy Tua some time because if he's going to be a first-read game-managing quarterback, he needs time to sit in that pocket. And they whiffed. They had two first-round picks, a bunch of second-round picks that one year, and they they really addressed the line. Um, They picked Hunt. They picked this Jackson guy. All of them flopped. So they have premium assets invested into that offensive line. And it didn't work. And I want to touch on Brian Flores because you said, like, oh, great coach, why'd they let him go? For things like this. I really think they start so bad every year, and then they right the ship, and then in the biggest game of the year where they need it, like the Titans this year, last they year, it. they get blown out. Like, they beat up on bad teams. They lose to good teams. And I think that really goes to the coach and also the GM because they, they really could have been an elite team with the assets that they had in the draft. And they whiffed on essentially every pick. Even Christian Wilkins is not what we really thought he would be. Like they need they need to draft well and they need to write that offensive line. And they gotta get a good route running receiver. I always wanted to see them go after Deshaun Watson. I mean, I know he's had his trouble with the uh, the sexual assault allegations, but you know, I, I would love to see him on that offense. I mean, you he can I think Deshaun Watson can beat a bad O-line. We've seen it in yeah. in the Houston organization. I think he'd be so much fun to watch in like a in a hot environment. You know, they re-sign if they could re-sign Will Fuller, he'd have that bomb threat. He I mean, he's such a fun quarterback to watch. I I really I was really looking forward to the rumors last season being true where they're like, "Oh yeah, Miami has all these draft picks and they're thinking about giving them up for Deshaun Watson." And unfortunately, that's not the case. So yes, they got to deal with Tua. We will see. I, I'm, I'm gonna have a little bit more faith in Justin. I am gonna say that maybe this new head coach bringing in a new culture would be nice. I think they really do also need to address the running back situation because if they need to give a game manager something, it's someone to help him manage the game, and that would be a tailback. 
Yeah, so definitely. We will see. I And I think, personally, if a team's not going to go after a running back in the first round, they could get that guy from Florida who looks – I mean, he's he's local because of his college, yeah. and I think he could be you're really tough. Pierce? Yeah. He could be really tough on this Dolphins roster. Hold on real quick before we move on. I just thought of something. You want to give record predictions? Oh, just off the top of your head? Maybe. I mean, the Bills, I mean, are, Bills are your Super Bowl favorites. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's tough to say as a Chiefs fan, but they're like, they're so there. Like, yeah. they just need to finish. Like, last year, I mean, there are a few things I could say that, you know, had the Bills in the game. I mean, we didn't have Tyron Matthew. We'll see how different that would be. I mean, depending on if we re-sign Tyron, which I think we'll, we'll need to in the offseason. But all that matters is that you have Sorensen. As long as Sorensen's in the game, your defense is getting torched. Yeah, that's that's very true. So, um, Bills in this division, honestly, I'll say they go thirteen and four next season. Word, I was thinking that, but I'm gonna stick with twelve and five. I think they'll improve one because at the end of the day, they're top of the division, which means they're playing the best competition week in and week out. So twelve and five for me. That's definitely an improvement, and I think they could definitely make do some damage uh, come January, February. Patriots. Yeah, Pats. I'm gonna go eight and nine. I th- I'm I'm with you there. I think they regress, and I just think it's too much for Belichick to overcome. I want to make them under five hundred because one, I hate the Patriots, and I'm not very confident in them right now, especially Mac Jones. With that said, can't doubt Belichick. I'm gonna go minus one nine and eight. Okay, I'm gonna go with the same record for the Dolphins. I'm gonna go eight and nine. Just because I don't know if much is going to change, we will have to see. And you know, culture takes time to establish. So yeah, eight and nine for the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins can and most likely will be one of the bottom five teams in the league next year. I'm gonna have them going five and twelve. Interesting. Yeah. And now, of course, to the wonderful New York Jets, Justin. Just before you go in here, I mean, it's it's tough to predict. I mean, you guys got, I, I'll give you some credit, you got a lot of young talent. You're in a tough division when it comes to defenses. We'll see how that unfolds in the offseason. Yeah. But I'll give you five wins. I say go five and 12. I was, yeah, I was thinking we could go around six and 11. I mean, a stretch, stretch seven and 10, but that's just me being an optimistic fan. I, I think our floor is four wins. But I think our ceiling is about seven. So somewhere in between there, I'll go six and 11 for a, a straightforward prediction. But this is a big offseason for us. You know, Marcus May, he's walking. Jamison Crowder's walking. Uh, we traded for Laurent Duvernay to a Tardif, right? Yeah, that was a steal. We gave you Dan Brown, right? The tight end. It was this one for one swap Dan Brown for LDT. Yeah. We get LDT, you cut Dan Brown, we re-signed Dan Brown. We claim him off waivers, so it was like you just gave him to us for free. Uh, he's expressed extreme interest in re-signing with the Jets, and I would love to bring him back, but not as a starter. I would sign him as more depth. We'll see if that's what he wants. Um, I think they really have to re-sign Braxton Berrios and Full Lorenzo Fatukasi, as well as Morgan Moses, but Berrios only for the right price. He's claiming he wants $9 million. I'm not signing that for a backup slot receiver slash return specialist. Not doing it. Um, Fatu Kasi, I think, is the glue that holds, holds the defensive line together. Not a common name, but he's a great nose tackle. He's great run stopper. He's not going to blow up the stat sheet, but he's one of those players where the stats don't speak to his skill and what he does for the team. I think he means a lot. 
But like I said, big offseason. We have over $50 million in cap space once we make cuts and stuff. We could definitely look to address a lot of positions. Maybe Brandon Scherf at right guard, Mike Williams at receiver. Personally, I would rather sign mid-tier free agents with higher upside, but could also flop extremely badly. Um, J.C. Jackson's another potential target for us, but where I'm really interested in is the draft. We have four picks in the top 40 of the entire draft. Um, we don't, can, don't screw it up. Yeah, well, if you hit on half of those, that's still... I, I mean, guess that's true. That's still yeah, pretty you get good. get two solid players. I, I, I like our odds. Two, two top 10 picks in the first round, two top eight picks in the second round, um, but I think what they sh- what the Jets should do is my biggest thing right now is edge. We don't have I mean we have Carl Lawson ruptured his Achilles. We'll see how he comes back. I think if Kayvon Thibodeau falls to the Jets at four, run that run that pick to the podium. If not, address the offensive line, Neil or Ekwanu. One of those three guys, Neil Ekwanu or KT, is going to be there for. Those are the only three people I'm considering. Um, and then at 10, I think you got to go receiver. Regardless of what our needs are, you have to surround a quarterback with talent. We've addressed the offensive line. We have two premium picks invested in the offensive line. Um, probably three because I don't think KT will fall, but probably three at that point when we're picking at 10. And you have to deal with Byron Jones. I mean, J.C. Jackson, maybe. We'll see. And Tredavious White. You need guys in this division that can make plays at the receiver position. And I think after watching the combine, I think my receiver one is and probably will be Garrett Wilson. I think if he's there at 10, got to take him. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot, lot to address. I mean, a team that's uh, been bottom for a while, hopefully yeah, right. trying to work their way up. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to do it for – this kind of divisional show that we got going on, we're going to try and sprinkle this in throughout um, the upcoming episodes, and hopefully by next season we'll have it all covered. So, yeah, Justin, now I think we're going to talk a little bit about our own lives. I mean, this is our show. So, uh, yeah, let's let's move to a segment we're going to call Life on Deck. We're going to try and bring this out in, the, in each weekly episode, maybe give you two, three minutes of our lives. Today it's going to be a little bit longer just so we can, you know, Give you guys, you know, view from the crow's nest. Talk about what's going on on campus, stuff like that. So, Justin, let them know what's going on. Oh, you know, spring break's here. Um, I'm going to, nah, it's like, I'm doing nothing for spring break. Um, I'm going home, probably going to catch up on a lot of sleep. My biggest thing for me is, uh, I mean, nobody really cares, but I'm starting a cut. I'm big into fitness, big into lifting. I gained, like, 30 pounds from Thanksgiving to now, so I'm looking forward to shredding that off. But, yeah, it's going to be a nice little nonchalant kind of relaxing spring break for me. They had an emergency alarm thing this morning that woke me up mad early. I was dreaming. I thought I was having a nightmare at one point because it was like an emergency nuclear alarm. Yeah, and it was like, the alarm that they tested. Syst- they, they sent out a text message saying it was a system malfunction. That's what made it go off. But I was definitely tripping when I woke up. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> what about you, Jackson? Well, I had... An interesting week. I mean, for spring break, I have plans to go to San Diego tomorrow night. So stoked for that. Yeah, I leave Saturday. My flight's at like 5, 6 o'clock. So super stoked for that. I'm going with my family and my girlfriend. We're going to stay beachside. It's going to be so nice. Must Um, be nice, Jackson. Come back tan for me. (laughs) For me, please. Come back tan. Because I need sun. 
I ain't gonna yeah. get it. Not gonna get it in jerseys, bipolar weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going somewhere warm, so that'll be nice. Um, yeah, so the the schedule for the spring came around for broadcasts, so I got to sign up for 17 different broadcasts throughout the spring, and there will be more. I'm working across three or, three organizations for that, so I'm super pumped. Gonna have a very busy spring semester, but I'm looking forward to it and. I met Andrew Catalan yesterday at the, or was it yesterday? It might have been two days Wednesday. ago. It was Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, excuse me. How do I know more about that than you? <laughs> Bro, these past couple of days have been, they've been going by yeah. quick. Lots of Mid-terms, stuff to do. Midterms, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Andrew Catalan, a guy that I've talked with before, actually, he's a CBS broadcaster. Love the way he calls NFL games. He's called a few Jets games. Yeah. I, I like think him. he's called maybe one or two Chiefs games. Love, love the way he, the way he talks on uh, on air, and he's somebody I look up to. So it was really nice to meet him. And then lastly, we had our first crow's nest meeting. Yep, that's exciting. So the podcast is now launched on Spotify. It will be in the description of our socials. If you guys can go follow us, um, my Instagram is Jackson Shank, all lowercase. Justin. Uh, it's a little difficult. Justin dot Valenzuela. I don't know if anyone can spell that. V A L E N Z U E L A O two. Um, shout out Victor and Isabella as well. Yeah, they they joined the uh, they joined the nest. They are gonna be our social media help for the podcast. So you guys will be able to follow a Crow's Nest Instagram and Twitter to get updates about what we're gonna talk about on the episode. When we post new episodes and stuff like that. So, yes. Do you have their uh, Instagrams? I do not at the moment. You want to look it up? I I And, yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about them. So, they're also freshmen here at Seton Hall. Uh, Great people. Vic, uh, I met through a bunch of my guys at, at Aquinas. They're all in a frat together. And then Isabella, I've had a few classes with, and she also works PSN, which is the broadcasting network that I signed up for 17 games for this spring. But yeah, they'll be our big, uh, our big social media helpers and we will have, we'll get as much as we can out to them post spring break, just kind of get things rolling post break. And then you guys will totally be able to get involved with them, kind of see what, what they're doing, what their lives are like. And maybe we'll have them on the podcast a few times. Yeah. Uh, no luck. Um, couldn't find their Instagrams, but uh, next time I will definitely get on top of that for them because they deserve it. Um, yes, they do. They deserve all the credit. Definitely. All right. Well, that concludes Life on Deck. So now we're going to talk about the best sport at Seton Hall, some shoe basketball. Hell yeah. Shout out your girls. Let's go. Yeah. So the Big day Se- today. Yeah, the Seton Hall women's team today, Saturday, or no, today Friday, Goofy. 4 p.m., 4 p.m. They play Butler, the the 11 the seed. seed. The Seton Hall women landed a six seed after a 17-11 season, and they are facing the one and 24 Butler Bulldogs. So, super excited to see them show out. I think I think they're going to be studs. One and 26, my guy. Oh, the one and 26. Wow. That, I mean, it's even worse. Like one and 24 is giving them too much credit. This is probably the worst team in all of college basketball. D1. Hey, but hey. 
they got nothing to lose. Yeah. And that's the most important thing to realize in this tournament. These girls need to keep doing what they're doing. They're 9-1 and in their last 10 games. They're playing really, really well. They're fully healthy. It's super exciting to watch them. And I expect a win for the Pirates today. I expect it to be handled and for them to, you know, control the game and uh, finish business. They're just hot at the right time. Same thing with the men's team. This is the perfect time. Like, if you start slow, whatever. Honestly, regular season does not matter. Finish you strong. Build, yeah, you want to build a good resume, but at the same time, regular season does not matter. If you can right the ship at the right time, um, which would be end of January, early February, keep that ball moving through uh, March, you're honestly set, and the Pirates did just that. So we'll see. Yeah, I completely agree. And for the end-of-the-season awards, uh, we're going to talk about the top three players on that roster. Lauren Park Lane was a unanimous first-team All-Big East selection. Sydney Cooks was a first-team All-Big East selection. And Andra Espinosa-Hunter was a second-team All-Big East selection. So these three girls have been just killing it as of late. I mean, Lauren Park Lane this season has the record for most assists in Big East play um, in, a Big East, in a season by a woman in the Big East. So... She's killing it. She's shooting forty percent from beyond, or forty percent from the floor and thirty three percent from beyond the arc. She had a record game with, she tied, I believe, the most assists in a game with eighteen. That was in their previous matchup against Butler, where they won wow. by I think twenty twenty five points. Yeah. Wow. She is a dime disher, bro. She can ball. She can. And what I think is so incredible, she's five three. Like in basketball shoes, okay, she's five five. This girl is going up against girls who are head taller than her. Oh, my and God. And she's driving under them, step back, three, like, to hit her a thousandth point this season, she she went into the corner, went dribble faked, step back three, and landed it in at the halftime buzzer to cross wow. the 1,000-point marker. That's it was so sick. That's stuff, yo. Good for her. And she's only a junior. Wow. Wow. What? Mm-hmm. 1,000 through three years, and I bet you she barely played her freshman year. Yeah, she didn't play a whole lot. She wow. had, yeah. She had. A, she can ball. Good I think she's her. 12 points away this season from 500. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, she's she's. So, honestly, it. this is a down year for her. <laughs> nah. She, if she has 1,000 and she's 12 points from 500 this year. Well, she she played some her freshman year. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Either she's, way. She's gotten better every season. It was like, it was like 150, no. 350, 500. That is the epitome of what a good college basketball program does. Our men's team does it better than anyone else. Our women's team does it great. Develop players. Keep them for four years. Screw this one-and-done stuff that the big schools like Duke, UNC, all of them have, where you just get the top high school recruit, let him ball out, dominate people because he's a man amongst boys. We take guys, (laughs) and we develop them over time, and we let them reach their maximum potential in their fourth or fifth year. That's what college basketball should be. That's what all sports should be, in my opinion, college-wise. I think you should buy into the program, represent the school that you chose, and stick with it and become a better player because of it. Completely agree. Andra and Lauren have been those two. Andra's been here, I think, two, three years now, and now Lauren's been here since her freshman year. But we did pull a UNC, okay, or Duke or whatever, right? This season, we got Sydney Cooks. She was also a first-team Big East selection, as I mentioned earlier. We got her from Mississippi State. We also got Andre Espinoza, Hunter, from Mississippi State. So this duo that we brought back, 
Sydney Cooks probably had, she was the most influential person this season to one, elevate her teammates, and two, give this offense a whole nother dimension. She's 6'4". She's a just stud in the paint. She shoots 50% from the floor, averaging 15 points per game and eight rebounds. I mean, this girl is, it's great because she's a redshirt senior, so she still has another year. She was redshirted this year, so that's awesome. We'll get her another year with LPL. Unfortunately, we do lose Andra this year. She is a senior. And, I mean, these these three girls, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing so well. Yeah, that's great for them, to be honest. And honestly, that's sick that we poached two players from the same team. That's yeah. that's really cool to me. Like, clearly we got a pipeline there or something because they're very close, obviously, if they were both willing to switch schools to go to the same school together. So that's really cool. And that goes to show the culture that the women's team has established. Exactly. That two players from a bigger school, probably more historic school, are willing to leave there and buy into our little school and, and – the oranges like that's awesome shout out uh coach tony bazella he's had he's done a great job with the women's team great job with the culture like we talked about and yeah now let's now let's switch it over to the men's side of things they're <sighs> going into big east play tomorrow actually no that's not true they, they play creighton final, tomorrow they yeah, have the final final game of the year yeah. at creighton tomorrow saturday march 5th um wednesday <clears throat> you know kind of a back and forth game we have we had control the whole time but it would be like we jump up to a 10-point lead and they'd bring it within four and then we jump up again. Um, you know, we controlled the, the style. It was our game from the from tip-off. Senior night, shout-out Jared Roden, Alexis Yetna, Ike Obiagu, um, who else? Bryce Aiken. Shout-out all the boys. Shout-out all the Kale. teams. Yeah, yeah Miles Kale, Jameer too. Jameer Harris. Yeah, Jameer Harris. Um, shout-out all the boys um, for a great, great career here. Um uh, to Yetna and to Jameer, um, we would love to have you guys back. You guys are eligible potentially to come back. I know I speak for all of us when I say we would love to have you back. Um, Completely agree. You guys are great for the team. Um, my personal favorite, Yetna, my guy, is a dog. He plays basketball. I love his style of play. Would love to have him back. Jameer, sharpshooter, would love to have him back too. And his brother. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Who's definitely. committed to Seton yo, Hall. Yo, Jameer, come back and play with your brother, bro. Come on. <laughs> We, we need you. Um, but, yeah, great win uh, on senior night at the Prue, at the Rock. But tomorrow is the game. Uh, this is the difference between being a five seed uh, in the Big East tournament with a bye and the six seed and playing potentially four games in a row. Um, it, it could be. Yes, could be. that's yeah. true. So it, well, if, Marquette if Mark- has to win. But, yeah, big game tomorrow. Creighton lost one of their best players. So we will see. But um, definitely, definitely a huge win for us tomorrow if we can get it. Heading into conference play, I think I think we could do some damage uh, in the Big East tourney at MSG. So we'll see. Uh, another tune-up for us heading into the tournament, and we definitely clinched March Madness at this point, so heading into uh, the dance as well, basically. So if, if we close this game out, I think the biggest thing is if we lose or if one of the teams loses, right, if Marquette loses or we lose just one of those teams, then... We will play Creighton again in the first round of the Big East tournament. And if you have paid attention to Seton Hall basketball this season, they had a turnaround game against St. John's right after they had just beaten them and had the worst loss of their season. Yeah, we took them way too lightly. The worst part about that loss, it was one of the COVID cancellation games. So they actually came to our campus 
and played in Walsh Gymnasium, which is like literally right, right there. there. Like we share a wall with them, I think, at this point. Like it's so loud right now. But they stomped on us in our own gym. So yeah. We definitely took them way too lately. I, I would hate to stomp on Creighton tomorrow and then have to play them again and then just have them embarrass us. Yeah. So I think that they can win tomorrow. I yeah, I think they've been they've win. been playing really well. I think against Georgetown, they had everything going for them besides their strengths, which I think is hilarious. Like they they didn't shoot the three well. They shot twenty percent from the on the arc, and uh, they let up fifty percent of their um, their opposing threes. Which, by the way, I think is it was m- all rice. It was well, yeah, it was all it rice. Was really all rice. Who had 17 points in the first half for Georgetown, but at the same time, it's the stat that Seton Hall like leads the Big East, and they have the lowest amount of um, like three point percentage led up to opposing teams. I think that's that's weird that we managed to have a balanced game among all of our players, not have our strengths, and we still came out with yeah. a W. Well, I think that that's cool and all, but. We were very fortunate that we just so happened to play the bottom dweller of the Big East. Very true. A team that's like one in eighteen or one in nineteen in conference play. A no, team... they, they have yet to have a win. Oh, they have yet to yeah, have a win. They haven't won a single game in conference play. So, I think we got very lucky um, that it just so happened. Like if that happens against Nova, Prov, or UConn, or even Creighton. Yeah, we're getting blown out. So I think that's something that has to be addressed. But one thing I was really pleased to see was Richmond had another great game. He yep. had he had a double double. The future As a sophomore, the a future. sophomore. He is a sophomore. Like I'm trying to tell people, give this man two years, he will be the best player in the Big East. I'm stamping it. I'm calling it right now. Give him two years, and honestly, he flashed some potential last night. He made two jump uh, pull up jumpers from behind the arc. That's great to see because if he develops a three, he is truly a three-dimensional scorer because he can pull up from mid-range because he's so much taller he can finish because he's so much taller and stronger if he can rise from behind the arc and start shooting nba threes he could be the best player in the big east and he could be an nba prospect we'll see we will see i think him tyrese and trey are definitely the the big three for next season i think they are the future of this team so really excited to go see them play they'll be in big east play eventually i think it's sometime throughout the break but yeah, they have their final game against Creighton tomorrow, and super excited to see how they close out the season and how they scramble up March Madness. Yeah, shout out the boys. Yeah, so that'll do it for the Crow's Nest. This is episode four now. We are cranking them out, and we will continue to do, the, to do this. We are thinking about doing one over the break. We will see how that goes. I don't know if we're going to have the recording software because yeah. we need Adobe Audition for that. We will figure that out. We are in studio now at the radio station. So we'll figure it out. And, you know, go follow us on our socials. We dropped earlier in the show, Jackson.Shank um, on Instagram and Justin. Justin.Valenzuela02 on Insta. There you go. I mean, you guys can uh, stay up to date on us. I just uh, like I just got an alert on my phone. Cowboys leaning towards releasing veteran receiver Amari Cooper. Yeah. That changes the uh the game who's he gonna sign with? when we get to that nfc east episode maybe we'll cover that next yeah, definitely big news though yeah so yeah that'll do it for us um yeah for justin valenzuela i'm jackson shank and we will see you all next time peace